0: Welcome once again to Radio Brews News, the only beer podcast that is made from beer. As ever, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Peter Mitchum. Pete, you've had a very very week.
1: It has been. Yeah, thanks, mate. G'day. How are you? G'day, uh, listeners. How are we all? Good to um, be talking to you again on a regular basis. Can we, can we almost be regular now?
0: Oh, we've been doing so well, and then we missed last week. In and... Four weeks in a row, though, where we did one a week. We did four weeks, and it was four weeks of quality programming, um, if I, if we can say that ourselves. But yeah, no, look, I, I think we, we're regular, and uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, we, we've just had a few problems with guests and uh, people going astray, and uh, those beer beermen TV guys going missing in uh, the United States.
1: <laughs> I think, I believe they I believe they've surfaced. Uh,
0: I actually think it's a, a, a case of professional jealousy. They uh, they they're worried about our ratings and. Uh, you know, that we were stealing a little bit of the thunder and so they uh, they, they went to ground you to, to the, leave us hanging. Do you know
1: the only advantage that we have, really? So They're video, so people know what they look like. Whereas yes. we can still walk the streets with relative anonymity, um, having said some of the things that we say. Um, and secondly, we will always have good voices for radio, <laughs> good heads for radio. Good heads for radio, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, Prof, tell us what you've been up to. Um, very busy. We've, um, we shot over to uh, Adelaide on uh, last Wednesday and visited the wet for the first time. Met up with Jade and the crew over there. And a quick quick shout out to Mel, to Ed, to Eddie, to Josh, uh, Sal, who did all the AV. A sensational team over there. Really pulled it all together well. Uh, we had 58 people turn up, which I, I did a quick calculation. I think that's about a quarter of the population of Adelaide. Uh, they all turned out there at the wet chief on, on a Wednesday night, on a school night uh, to uh, watch Beer Wars, the movie. Uh, to watch me, you know, doing a, a, a solo hosting without uh, my uh, erstwhile partner, which was a little bit odd. It was funny, sort of, not having somebody to bounce off. I had to do all the gags and all the straight stuff.
0: I'm sorry about that, mate. But uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, um... Yeah, as we've talked about in the past, we are we're the not hamster exactly... on the wheel
1: can only generate so much income.
0: Exactly, exactly, and uh, the, I should say that the Weedy have recently come on as uh, sponsors of uh, Australian Brews News, and we promptly spent their sponsorship money flying you to Adelaide. So uh... visiting
1: them, <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, no, no, it was it was it was definitely well worth it. It was great to catch up with the um, uh, people over in Adelaide. A lot of people who I sort of knew via Twitter and things like that, um, and a lot of fans of the of the show, which is good. Um, and oh, it's always uh, nice hopefully to hear. We've, we've dragged a few new fans in as well. And then the panel discussion, the Brewers panel, ably led again by uh, Ben Krauss from Bridge Road Brewers and ably supported by Al Turnbull from Lobethore Beer House, Simon Selleck from Brewboys, and Gareth Andrews from the Steam Exchange down in Goola. He um, made his
0: way up. That was good of him.
1: It, yeah, yeah, and uh, they really got into it um, and into the discussion as well. And it was interesting that the the topics that we sort of covered... The questions that came from the uh from the, the audience quite different to to that uh that we saw in in both melbourne and in sydney so it's interesting that while uh some of the areas we sort of covered were were you know if you look at the venn diagram there's there's a little bit of a uh a crossover and overlapping in the center there but a lot of the the rest of it was sort of uh was quite different which is good it, it shows that you know different people different strokes for different folks
0: excellent excellent so while we're heading up to let's see we've got Brisbane in uh, late November, around about the 29th, I think. Um, the week before that, we're at the Newcastle um, Craft Beer Week. Um, yep. So And it's on in Tasmania. We're
1: going to have to get more T-shirts printed.
0: We're going to have to get more T-shirts. We're going to have to get more sponsors so we can afford these, uh, <laughs> these airfares. So uh, here we go, cap in hand once again. It, if, if you're a cashed-up big brewery and you don't mind that we occasionally uh, throw stones at your marketing... Give us a call we have operators waiting um what else has been happening mate I just uh we're rolling around to the great australian summer of beer where all of the big um beers start launching their marketing campaigns yeah um, i don't know if you've seen the, the the latest one from carlton draft that hit my desks hit my desk yesterday um where they're sending Rosso from American Rosso fame out uh, in character as a uh, corpulent publican. To run a pub. To run a pub. Look,
1: I'm I'm always... Is that suggesting that any any, any idiot could run a pub that serves Carlton Draft, or is it it trying to tap into an existing... I don't know. What what are they doing? What's the go with that? You know,
0: I I guess this is the difficulty that um, large brewers have got, you know, because beer is meant to be funny. Um, but, you know, when they play to such stereotypes, all it does is reinforce all of the great negatives that there are about beer, you know, that it's, you know, boorish and blokey and, you know, when beer is declining so quickly, um, and so many people are disinterested in it, playing to stereotypes is... Really picking the lowest of the low-hanging fruit, and there's not much of that left to do. And I, I think that those sorts of, and then the, there's, they've also got the Chervo race where they dress guys up in uh, uh, Carlton draft, you know, outfits Stubbing and costumes, and, yeah. yeah, and send them racing down the the, the racetrack. You know, you know, th- those sorts of things. You know, I I think do nothing to elevate beer or or you know, I, I don't know, I I don't know what the answer is except the you know the the, the same brewery which is uh you know Foster's. Has excelled itself with some of the humour that they've shown in ads that doesn't have the same you know, level of pandering to the lowest common denominator. I, I thought yeah. the um... I think when
1: they don't take themselves uh, all that seriously, I think it, you know, i.e., oh, yeah, the you know the big ad um, and have a bit of fun with it.
0: Yeah, it sort and
1: of, it elevates the whole thing. You know, it, it it highlights how you know how beer doesn't take itself too seriously, neither no, they should do. Uh, but then they yeah. But it
0: doesn't actually damage the product itself. You know, the the, the big ad was funny; it was clever. Um, You know, it had all of those things. But it wasn't. It it didn't make beer look stupid. Yeah. Um, And same with the regulars. You know, the regulars. I'm gonna use
1: four blokes on a boat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh look, I mean, even that. I mean, those
1: those ads. They got that bill yet? No. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that, that, that
0: was a bit of a washout. But it's always. What is it? There was a great thing on the first season of the Gruen transfer when they were looking at the advertising. And, you know, beer ads always have four blokes in them because you can't have one bloke drinking by himself because he's sad and lonely and an alcoholic. Two, they could be gay. Gay. Three just doesn't quite work. You know, it's a little bit, you know, the third wheel, but four has that right number.
1: Two of them are going to hook up and one's going to be left driving the car. Exactly. Um, yeah. but,
0: they're, but they're never metrosexuals. You know, they're, they're never, they've always got a little bit of a stubble. They're, you know, they're not so good looking as to be threatening. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. all, all of those if, sorts of things. But if, you know, if
1: they're showing, if they're showing upper shots, you can't help feeling that one of them is down below giving them a scratch. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what you mean by that, Prof, but <laughs> anyway.
1: It kind of, it kind of goes with, yeah, with stubble and um, lowest common denominators.
0: Yeah, but But on a on
1: a high, if we can move, do we want to move on or is we? No, 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 we'll move on. We caned them enough. Um, Because on a um, a more positive note, and certainly in terms of putting beer into a favourable spotlight, uh, Tuesday night I was at uh, Ale Stars, as I have been regularly for the last uh, three and a half years, since it began, and uh, the the inaugural uh, episode of Q and Ales which is the brainchild of uh, Guy Greenstone from the local Tap House, along with his partner in crime and business, Steve Jeffers. Um, Steve which talked you... about this a while back, I think back in episode six or seven. He did, and... which, I, which
0: I have to say sounds very much like what we're doing in Radio Brews News, or at least, and, and we we did a um, Skype uh, catch up with the Yeasty Boys uh, at one of my beer tastings recently. So, not, yeah, I'll, I'll say that it's imitation, but good That's on them.
1: The, the, <laughs> the first time it's ever been done at the local Tap House in <laughs> on a Tuesday night with Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewery. Went really well, um, worked through a couple of technical hitches, um, uh, but eventually got him on. It was 6 a.m. their time. Uh, so after about an hour of discussion, he, he cracked his first beer and shared it with us via satellite. Um, and it look, was a great night, a good crowd in, very receptive, uh, staggered out a little bit later uh, for a school night than, uh, than perhaps we, we're used to at Ale Stars. But I think that the concept has certainly got legs uh, and it will, it will all go together um, on Taphouse TV, which is coming to a YouTube near you soon, uh, and a collection of, of these will all sort of be put up. So it'll be great to sort of to, um, to tap into the, the whole international beer scene um, at a local level and, and with a local flavour.
0: And of course, Garrett's got a new book out, the Oxford Companion to Beer, um, which just as we're going to print, uh, there's been a story coming out from one of my favourite beer historians, a fellow in the UK called Martin Cornell, um, who, you know, rather than just receiving um, you know the presumed wisdom or the uh, you know the accepted stories of beer, he goes back yep. and researches them quite thoroughly, and he sounds quite distressed about some of the myths that have been. Um, per, you know, perpetuated in the Oxford Companion of Beer. So I've said to you already that we're keen to get him on um, to do a, um, a podcast looking at great beer myths, and I think now's a good time to do it. So we might even try and set him up for next week if he's available.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, oh, uh, yeah, Garrett obviously gave the, gave the book a fair plug because it's um, just come out. And uh, Caitlin from uh, University Press, who published the book, uh, was on hand. She donated a few... Copies. It's a fairly weighty tome. Um, it's a it's a it's a coffee table book in that you can put it on the floor in the middle of your lounge room and rest your coffees on it or your beers. Um, so it's not sort of it's not the sort of thing you sit and, and read. It's it's a very much a reference sort of book. But interesting that um, yeah. Look, I, I, I guess you know we talk about accepted wisdom and we talk about uh, um, the stories that have I guess become true. Uh, it, it's a it, look. It's a beautiful beautifully presented uh, book, but it will be interesting to see uh, or or listen to another opinion on some of the stories held therein.
0: Yeah, well, we'll we'll see if we can get Martin on. And uh, now, we we probably should get on with today's show. Um, Today, we enter the parallel universe, Uh, Pete. We're talking (laughs) to... (laughs) We're talking to uh, a fellow that describes himself as a maverick beer importer um, by the name of Sean Nalen, who... uh, He was formerly involved with the Barons uh, Brewery, um, but now he's got himself a uh, beer website called uh, SaveOnLiquor.com.au, and he also imports uh, Stella and Beck's and Heineken and those sorts of beers, uh, and trumpets the fact that they're genuine imports, not the falsies as he calls them. Um, And so we can have a bit of a chat to him today about, you know, whether. It's a good thing or a bad thing that he's uh, bringing them in. Um, Well, (laughs) I think we can take it for what his view is, but we're going to explore a few of the issues around it and, uh, you know, exactly why it is. Um, Now, we'd hope to do this in tandem with getting somebody from Foster's on, but it's just uh, been a little bit difficult to tee up. Um, We've been waiting for them to make their general manager available. Um, Unfortunately, with big... uh, One of the great things about craft breweries is that you can just phone... Uh, the number, and most likely the brewer will pick it up, and you can talk mm-hmm. straight to them with a with a business like Foster's. They have designated people that can talk about certain subjects, and trying to get that right person uh, on is proving a little bit difficult. So, yeah. rather than push it on, we'll uh, have a chat to to Sean and uh, explore some of those issues, and hopefully, you know, get one of the big brewers because um, we touched on with uh, uh, Bill Taylor the the whole idea of brewing under license um, when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Um, So hopefully we'll get uh, somebody and probably uh, somebody from Foster's to have a bit of a chat um, given Sean's importing some of the beers that they have beers the license they, to sell. Yeah, exactly. And I
1: think, too, this, this, um, for the listeners uh, who have stuck with us to this point of the podcast, it'll be an interesting one along the lines of sort of, you know, I guess uh, the contract brewing debate, uh, the grey import debate that we've sort of touched on. It'll probably, if nothing else, it'll debunk some of the myths, I think, that surround uh, parallel versus grey importing and, and how it actually works and, and what it means to the consumer and, uh, you know, price differences and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm actually quite keen to speak to Sean and uh, find out what the what the game is all about.
0: Well, let, let's get on. And yes, we're joined by Sean Naylan from saveonliquor.com.au, uh, a man who prides himself on parallel importing famous brand beers. Sean, welcome to Radio Brews News.
2: Thank you. Thank you for putting me on. Mate,
0: right, you, you've had a fairly long career in beer in Australia um, comparatively uh, these days. You were involved in Barron's for a while there.
2: Yes, I was one of the founders back in 2005. So uh, with Scott Garnett and Rich Adams, so um, yes, and it all sort of fell apart uh, last year. So that was an interesting uh, career in the craft beer market of Australia. But it's I think we're probably still... two or three years a bit too early.
0: It's still kicking along I've seen it advertised somewhere recently. Is it no, still? No, I think
2: I think you'll find that it'll collapse in the next couple of weeks. Ah. So um, I know what's going on with that company, and it's uh, it's it's falling apart. So it's a shame. Can we, can but we say that yeah. you
1: learn a lot? Can
2: we can we tell our listeners
0: they heard it first on Radio Brews News? We've, oh, did, yes. we've, just had, we've never broken <laughs> a story. It, it will itself. be Asia, <laughs> so, so it's full stop. So. Fair enough. And uh, now you've, uh, you, you've, you've got yourself uh, saveonliquor.com.au and you're bringing beers into Australia by the container load, judging by your tweet feed. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your current business. Well,
2: the current business is um, a company called Save on Liquor. And, uh, look, I'm doing I'm bringing in about, at this stage, 15 containers a month. Uh, I should take that up to about 30 to 45 in the next, say, three months, because obviously summer's better. But what we're finding is that uh, the independent liquor stores are finding it difficult going up against the majors, like Woolies and Coles, uh, especially at the current position of, say, Moe at 44.95 No-one can compete on that price point from Woolworths. So, um, so what they've got to do, a lot of the retailers are looking for better ways of bringing product in and um, cheaper ways obviously and that's only the only real way is probably parallel importing and that's why the market's increased in that area so what i'm trying to do is bring in a fair amount of uh, champagnes and beers and then uh, sell it to the wholesalers and to the retailers but also um i've now discovered that look why not offer it to the consumer so uh, we're offering you know the same sort of a bit, bit better deals to the consumer so they can um benefit from um, parallel importing.
0: Okay, now, I mean, that that raises a whole lot of things, but I think we'll put the uh, horse before the cart. Um, Whereabouts do you get your beer from?
2: um, European suppliers. Okay, so- (laughs) That's uh, that's a uh, trade secret, that one, but uh, yeah, European suppliers. Look, you'll find that parallel importing, it's quite funny overseas what I find. There was a conference in Cairns about three weeks ago uh, for parallel, and do you know what? Companies like Heineken and various other companies even had their boats and were talking to people out at the, uh, on, the, you know, on the, um, the ports and various other things. So you'll find that um, there are always allocations for frontline uh, retail and then there's always allocations for back-end uh, parallel importing. So uh, you know, a lot of the stuff comes from the factory itself and a lot of stuff comes from other areas. So it's an interesting play. I find uh, parallel importing an interesting business.
0: Well, what you're suggesting is that a brewery like Stella or Heineken is selling to people knowing that it's going to the parallel importing.
2: Yes, I am. Uh, and but, I, but that's a known fact. It's not like something special or secretive.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, is... even distributors. I mean, that's where I mean you'll find that distributors do the same thing. Um, uh, they price balance. I mean, if you've got a market that is, you have a distributor that's you know quite expensive. Um, uh, various people will parallel import into that market space to balance out that price point
0: okay so it's, you know, it's we, we, we might come to price in a second but do you as a parallel importer you don't get your beer directly from uh, no. stella for example the the truck doesn't leave Stella drive to the no, docks no, it doesn't drive, and put it on the ship
2: yeah it comes through certain suppliers which you know uh, all on the internet i've got to tell you so it's not, uh, and you've just got to create relationships with the right ones. The ones that supply you authentic, you know. Okay, well, dated
0: where do they get the beer from?
2: They get it from the suppliers, the, Dur- the uh, breweries.
0: Directly? Um, yes,
2: I don't know how they do that. That's not my concern. My concern, and I don't think we'll ever know that, my concern is when I purchase a product that it's authentic and it's, you know, it's got enough date on it, it's got 10 plus months date on it so that the consumer here gets a good product.
0: Okay. The okay. Well, I guess one one of the suggestions that comes from the, the big breweries is that the product that is coming in in parallel is often inferior um, to the, the local one because you know it it's being sent from uh, net the you know from Belgium um, to here, but it's not even been, which is a long enough trip for any beer anyway. Um, but when it's going via parallel importers it's going through at least one additional set of hands which will be slowing that process down even further um
2: yeah well look i look most of my dates that i've brought in are around 10, 10 months um i don't try I try not to go below that maybe sometimes nine so you know kill me if i'm wrong but you know so if yeah, okay, we lose one or two months
0: when you say you've got nine months left, what sort of dates are being put on it in the first place? You know, is it being, some, is it got a twelve month used by yeah, no date. date?
2: Normal twelve month dates. Yeah. How are you
0: able to get, given that it, you know, takes uh, a, a good four to six weeks for the ship to get here anyway? Um, how are you getting the beer here? You know, within pretty much right on that time. Uh,
2: yeah. Through the distributors, as I said. Look, you've got to understand that the parallel network is. That, you know, if you're a distributor in some certain country in Europe, and you're a Heineken distributor, so you will get, say, 20,000 cases, and you know you can only sell 10. So where do the other 10 go? But you don't want to lose your Heineken contract. So therefore, bang, it goes out the back door, straight away, within seconds. So in some ways, I mean, I've seen 11 months. You know, it's been fantastic. i well, yeah, say 10 and a half. You know, you're talking mm-hmm. you know, of transportation to get here. So, you know, it's just normal practice. Um, and that's why it's decoded and various other things. So you don't. I mean, it's a. You know, it. When when they're saying inferior, are they saying from fully imported or locally brewed. Like for example, their Stella or their um, Toroni that's locally brewed.
0: Well, they're, I, they're they're just saying that the you know that the act of shipping it halfway across the world in unair conditioned or in, in uncooled containers um, often leads to a, a an inferior product because it is. Being, you know, going stale,
2: and even if it's within well, use yeah, I'm chance... totally. And you know, I've been in the beer industry, and I know that that would be what I would say if I was, you know, Twizzlers or Fosters or um, Coke. You know, I mean, you'd have to say that because that is their defence. And look, I mean, that's a that's a valid point. Um, but what I get insulted with is using Corona as an example. I mean, Fosters are selling Corona at, um, you know, you can buy Corona what 1995 a six pack. I mean that's just absurd.
0: Okay, we'll we'll get to price in in a sec. Um, but okay, so there there are European distributors that are buying twenty container loads, knowing they can't I mean, sell them. That's one
2: example. There are many others, but that's a, that's a common point, and that's a common point right through spirits and um, champagne. Well, not so much champagnes, but definitely spirits and uh, beers. Beers definitely. Uh, but that's one element on how it's obtained.
0: Okay, no, I mean, no, it's all
2: legitimate. It's all legitimate. I mean, there's no, like, you know, there's no issues. Well, the, the suppliers that I use are very legitimate and are well-known and world-renowned, um, turn over many billions of dollars and basically fund. I mean, one of them is the largest supplier of parallel import for Woolworths. So, you know, I think they're at a stage of about $400 million a year in parallel importing. So it's those sort of numbers. It's quite sizable if you think about it.
0: Okay. Uh, We might just look at the the, the beer itself, though. Um, You you mentioned before about codes being removed um, from the product. Um, Can you just explain what that is? What, What you mean by that?
2: Well, it's only the distributed code. It's not the batch numbers and everything. They remain. They remain, and the best before dates remain. But it's just the distributed codes. So, therefore, the the you know, the, it can't be traced back to. That's what parallel is all about. Mm. Um, yeah, it can't be traced back to where it was originated from, like the distributor. But so doesn't that? And this oh, is all common knowledge. I mean, it's not something that's...
0: Oh no, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've actually seen price lists from uh, from distributors such as you mentioned, such as you sort of mentioned. I don't know whether it's the one that you get yours from, but they actually advertise the fact that their CDN codes, are they, or um, are, uh, are removed?
2: Yeah, the, all I know is either you can buy it either coded or decoded. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't phase us whatsoever. It doesn't worry. Um, no, no, no,
0: it, it doesn't but, save, but doesn't that then hide the provenance of the beer? So a punter that's buying a beer in a bottle shop here, if there is a problem with it, they've got no ability to, to then trace no, back... No, no,
2: the batch number's still there, so they can still track... A batch
0: number. Well, they, they can. Sorry, yeah, they can still um, track a batch number. They
2: can still number. track back to the brewery, but they can't track it back to the distributor. But so they've got so no idea. Got issue, well, if you've got an issue with a particular batch, uh, that can be refunded or returned.
0: But that's assuming brewery. that that's assuming there was a batch problem at the brewery. But if if uh, it's a, if it's a beer that's been through two or three sets of hands. Um, and the handling of the beer has led to a, a, a problem creeping in, just in terms of freshness or the way it's been stored. Um, they've got no ability to, to, to check the provenance and the, the, the problems um, that, that they have... can
2: retrace through the batch number back to the particular batch number. But I must say, just on that. This is the problem that I had with uh, back at Barron's. Um, you know, everyone was going on about, you know, the taste, the quality of beer, which is, you know, we tried our hardest to, you know, achieve that, like all craft brewers do in this country. But then you get, <laughs> funny things, you do all this uh, warehousing, make sure it's all cool, kind you know, um, air conditioning, various other things. And then you get the guy deliver, delivers it from the warehouse or whatever and parks the cases outside in a pallet next to the retailer in the, in the hot 38, 40 degrees sun. How many times have you walked by and seen or seen a um, Foster's truck or whatever the particular truck is that's driving down Sydney or Melbourne, uh, open air with the sun burning down on it or sitting next to Rita? I mean, it's just, I think sometimes it doesn't take much for it to deteriorate beer. So I think, you know, when brewers and various other people start pointing fingers at those sort of situations, I mean, you know, it's a common, it's common in even mainstream beer companies. That there are issues in transportation
0: absolutely and, and, yeah. and you, you won't hear and me that's uh, what
2: when i was in the craft beer because the craft guys really go out of their way to try and protect that and uh, this is australian craft and they really take care of their beers and i really appreciate I, I appreciate a good craft beer don't worry about that and that's why i get a bit cross or you know defend it when they're saying um then the mainstreams are you know waving their stick saying this is you know this is bad quality it's shipped this far and that far and then drive a truck down to Sydney open air, and it's um, being burnt to uh, or cooked by the sun for half an hour to an hour.
0: No, I, I appreciate which, that. Yeah. No, no, I appreciate that. Um, but does you know the, the the fact that in in the last mile, we'll call it, the, the distribution to the last mile um, is is done in a certain way. Does that legitimise the fact that you know uh, that the handling between Belgium and Australia, for example, um, does that make it because then I don't- okay?
2: It goes through certain... I've got to say that the the Belgium warehouses and the bond stores, like Wooden are as sophisticated as you'll ever get. Um, they deal in much bigger positions in alcohol than Australia's probably ever seen collectively. Uh, there's only three or four of the bond stores. So beer goes into those bond stores, well taken care of, or alcohol, and then gets sent out. And you should see the conditions are absolutely brilliant. I mean, I wish we had them here. OK, but so how how
0: somewhere. do we know... how do... You say that, but the, the distributor codes are scratched off. So that's my point. How do we know who is handling this product? How does the punter in the shops know who, you know, what warehouse it's going through, how it's being handled, whether it's a legitimate well, the question
2: handler? I ask is, does the punter, when he's purchasing a product that says Heineken or a major international brand, does he really care? I mean, well, does he care? And does the majority care, I should say, whether it's been shipped normally from overseas Or is it locally brewed? I mean, is it you know? Well, according to you, they do
0: care. Otherwise, there'd be no market for the imported stuff.
2: I believe no, but that's getting back to the fully imported versus the locally brewed. I mean, what I get annoyed at is when you're at a restaurant or a when you're buying a liquor store at a liquor store and you're buying, say, using Heineken or Peroni or Stella as the example, and it's locally brewed around the corner in Sydney, suspect and Melbourne. And you can, um, you, you're still paying $9.50 or whatever it is for a stella, And when it's locally brewed, I mean, to me, that's just... But, uh,
0: uh, okay, you, you're changing the subject a little bit. We'll, we'll look at the... Well, no, I want
2: to see where you're going with that subject. I mean, it's not, I mean, I've I've answered the question. I mean, it's... Yeah, it it goes through one or two hands, yes, but it also goes through one or hand, two hands here in Australia, also.
0: Well, it, it, except it's the difference between one or two hands from Sydney to Brisbane, as opposed to you know, potentially but one or it's two like hands.
2: Trailing of a beer from say goes to a warehouse, goes to a distributor, goes to another probably a distributor, then goes to the retailer, and then goes to the, the retailer has thirty shops and it's it's spread out. By the time. You know, in some cases, by the time some of the low, international brands here, or even any beers here, they get shifted around quite aggressively. I mean, both my product and their product. So I don't, it's, I'm trying to answer the question because it's.
0: But, <laughs> you know, the, well, okay, but well, be
2: they're all the same.
0: Well, except one of them spends six weeks on a ship.
2: Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Look, uh, in in, not, in then,
0: addition to it. But, but can the, I tell you, the, I agree. I mean, the,
2: yes, the, you are correct. If you could, but then to me, the opposition to that, is that it's been locally brewed, and I still, in every taste testing I've done, and I'm sure that you know this is going to be an argument all the time. Is there a difference between the locally brewed Stella and the authentic Stella? I believe there is.
0: Okay, so th- th- that's something know, that, that will, th- th- thats th- th- another th- question. Okay, and th- th- that's something I wanted to to, to come to. But and I'm what, just what trying I'm saying to,
2: to I- you is that. You can have it locally brewed today and you can have it fresh and it's fantastic and that's what you think, that's fantastic. Or you can have an authentic, fully imported Stella that's probably been four to six weeks on the water. Yes, correct. But is there a difference in taste? I still believe there is.
0: But I'm... Well, OK, we'll come to the to, to the actual way, taste of the... We'll, we'll come to the taste of the base beer, but I'm just trying to work out when uh, these beers have their DF markings... Um, uh, taken off um, yep. they're decoded um, yep. a- another a-
2: well, some a- are. I mean not
0: all are by the way so I, oh, no know. no no but yeah. uh, you know the, the ones I've seen advertised are decoded yep how is the punter um, going to know you know the provenance of that beer you know whether it's been well looked after un- un- until they buy it um, how are they going to know what how many hands that beer has been through how it's been stored um you know at, at least in, in in the most macro sense,
2: well, all I can answer that question is that I believe that it's being handled by absolute professionals you know these companies in Ludenslith and various other markets they deal with a lot more alcohol than you know two or three containers going to australia um they I think they're in some ways much more professional and you know the warehousing facility there um would be probably be the best in the world um in some or, sorry yes they would be the best in the world uh, those bond houses now you know i don't i've seen a lot of the warehouses in australia because i've been in this business for some time and i wouldn't comment <laughs> on some of the conditions of here so i don't know look i can't answer that question i would consider them being uh, pretty close the same or even better the conditions that the uh, beer has the only difference and I you know I can't stop that is it's probably you know six to eight weeks or six weeks on average um, best before date. so best like I can't beat that because it does travel a very long way but if fosters or tuis or caa would uh, basically um, import the product um, you would still have similar conditions
0: Except they would be getting it straight from the brewery, so, you know,
2: assuming that there is... But it'll still go through, I've got to say, it'll probably still go through. They get it straight from the brewery, but it still have to go through the, bond, the bonded warehouses that I probably use, because there's not many, you know, you still have to go to the port, and these bonded warehouses are at port. So they would still have to go through the port, do the same shipping, uh, similar shipping. Um, you know, there's nothing difference between, you know, you can do the same shipping standards as uh, Foster's or the other products. So... I don't know. There's there's plus and minuses, so I can't guarantee that every product is uh, perfect. But I can, and but so can Fosters.
0: Okay. So, the, but the beer that you buy, um, you're buying from European distributors, not European distributors that send to say Singapore and it's been in a warehouse in Singapore.
2: No, I bypass Asia altogether.
0: Okay. So, is it
2: direct. The, I would I would say that look, I've spent a lot of time building this position. And to make sure that look, I agree there are some interesting players in the market space that buy from certain markets that I wouldn't touch. And, but that's like anything. You know, I mean, you wouldn't buy, you know, certain products from certain markets because it's just not the right thing to do. Okay. So I I buy from people who have been in the business for twenty to thirty to fifty years. Have got high standard in, uh, and they're looking for long term arrangements. And they're looking for they supply some of them supply Woolworths and Coles. You know. So you know, it's not a nothing new in this game, nothing new in this business. All it is is providing a, a, be, a, sorry, a similar product or the same product at a, I think, a better price. And that's, that's the business I'm in.
0: Well, lo- looking at the price, uh, sorry, Pete, did you have something to ask?
2: Yeah, no, I was just going to say at the end of the day, it probably it,
1: that's what it comes down to is, you know, we've, we've sort of touched on, on taste and whatever. What, what, at the end of the day, what are you offering the, um, the consumer in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of price? Like, what, what's a, a round, a ballpark sort of figure? Why would they buy the imported stuff that comes uh, from, from a retailer by you, yourself
2: versus, you know, a locally brewed product? What, what are we talking? Are you saying a consumer to me or a retailer to me?
1: Uh, oh, either or. What, uh, I guess at the end of the day, oh, uh, it, most it, the people listening to us
2: are the consumer. What are, the, what are it, they... Well, the consumer. Side-by-side I mean, side slab of Well, right now I'm offering, um, you know, Peroni at 29.95. Uh, n a so I think in the market in dans it 's around oh, I'm, oh, i can't remember right now it 's about forty four yeah, like, yeah 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 so you know you 're talking at quite a substantial margin um that 's on special for me, but I would normally do it i would do it I would sell it at thirty four ninety five um, and Heineken, and I would sell at thirty seven ninety five or thirty nine ninety five and um corona once it's i 'm out of stock right now, but once it does come back in stock. You'd be looking at it early 40s, yeah, which is, or even mid 40s to say, uh, which you know the Corona's probably around 50 or 49, 95, 54. So look, beer's a difficult one because beer is you know it's small margin volume stuff, and that's fair enough. Where I think the benefit is in is the champagnes. Um, I'll give you an example, Crew. I could sell for two nineteen. We might just keep it to
0: beer if we or could, okay, Sean, well, yeah. yeah, there um, are other
2: there are other products yeah. that the consumer would look at and say, "Wow, well, that's a pretty good price point." But uh, the, but, one but do you thing understand that... the meaning behind this. The, the thing the thing that I'm finding is, I mean, my core asset, my core thinking about all this is if the independent retailers don't get don't get into or which they all are getting into, I've got to tell you, everyone that I know is getting into it, parallel importing or doing something like that. Woolworths and Coles will destroy them because the price points are the really aggressive, like I actually think that mully I mean back to Champagne for a second will be at thirty nine ninety five this um, Christmas, which is just incredible because I know that they're buying in container loads some of the beers that they're looking at doing at the major major brands, uh, they're trying to push, the uh, sorry Woolworths and Coles are pushing for a cheaper price and that, where does that stand for the independence um, that's, and which is a, quite a large market out there, the mums and dads so the only thing I can say is that they've either got a parallel or changed their style of business in some
0: ways. Okay, and I'll, I'll, I will come back to that again in a sec. I just wanted to look at one thing that I can't quite work out if the, the, the beer that you're handling has been intermediated, there have been people involved, and the only way that they can uh, keep their businesses going is to add a margin. So you've got the, the, the brewery selling the beer, a distributor yep. um, there selling the beer um to somebody um you know pre- presu- presumably you and there's no one else in the in uh, in between you and the original distributor how how yep. is it that if, if this beer is sort of a quality how is it that you're able to offer it um so much cheaper when there are extra steps in the way with people adding their own cut um between you and and the brewer
2: that's, that's a good question and I've got to say, I mean, as you know, when you travel, uh, I think that you'll find that certain beers that we have here are very expensive. I was even speaking to someone yesterday about Heineken. And when I mentioned, you know, some of the restaurants here are $9.50 and $9, et cetera.
0: Well, that, that, a that's a restaurant. Heineken. That's different to a, you know...
2: But even, no, just even... I've got to tell you, even the current case prices, like $60 or, sorry, fifty four ninety five for a case of Corona. I mean, that's just scary. That's, that's unheard of. Um, I think you'll... I actually believe in my travels that beer is, has an element of expensiveness here, like it's expensive um, not by a lot but there's enough for people to make margins um, you know I think I don't know the, the actual statistic but that's why Fossils and what were the largest grossing margin companies and beer companies in the world at one stage because they do put a fairly large margin on all their products and that's a that's a fact so um, you know, you are correct uh, The you, you do question and I even question every day why are we paying these type of monies for, this, uh, for these products? Um, but but the,
0: the question you know, I'm asking, true. and I mean, it's undoubted uh, that the, uh, there, there's been a huge um, margin in it for the big brewers um, brewing under licence and importing, and Foster's acknowledged that in their annual report um, last year where they said that yeah. you know, their uh, licensed beers had been put under considerable pressure by um, parallel importers, um, presumably such as yourself. But um, what I can't work out is how you can afford to sell the beer so much cheaper when there are additional costs involved between you and the the the, the brewery. It, it it if if well, if the beer is still good quality and isn't being dumped on onto the market.
2: No, it's not being dumped on the market. It's um there are there isn't well the simple fact is there is enough margin in it for me to make margin
0: and still sell it I cheaper mean, and than that
2: shows. The current day pricing here in australia is quite expensive that's the facts i am i am amazed i am disgusted in some ways uh that we've been living under a regime in some ways that we've been paying large very expensive beer prices for you know fully imported products. i guess uh, so, uh the when i say expensive i mean you're talking probably three or four to five dollars dearer so that gives you enough it's a volume game beer um sort of a mass market beer and therefore you um If you can make a margin on the way that's fantastic what what,
1: have you seen sean oh sorry have you seen sean um in the time that you've been doing this and it's perhaps a little bit hypothetical but has your gig uh kind of had a result on on prices coming down from the uh the other streams of importing um
2: please elaborate further uh
1: so do you think that your pricing has, has caused uh, the others to react? No. So, for example, you know, or are they still I'll quite do. happy to say, well. Yeah,
2: I mean, look, let's be realistic. I still believe parallel importing is a very small, i only a small fry. I mean, everyone is a small player. Um, I don't think. I see a trend uh, heading towards that market, even from a not through parallel importers, but through uh, clients themselves going direct. Um, And I know a lot of the parallel importers are focusing on this market here because it's quite a lucrative market because they see, you know, they see we are paying quite expensive prices for their beers and they can, you know, put some good products here, some beers here that, uh, you know, would um, work well. Um, So I don't think, I still think that, you know, the the three majors or four majors are still always going to keep the beer at those prices and they're going to try and trend it upwards to make larger margins, which is fine. They're, They're a company that they're allowed to do that. That's great. You know, i just think i just feel sorry for the
0: independent but their i mean their, their um, argument um, would be um that the big guy's argument is that you know the same as crown lager crown lager doesn't cost a huge margin more uh to make them the mainstream uh it's mainstream stablemates, except for you know the this uh, undisclosed amount of extra time to uh brew it but yeah you know a higher price is uh you know it's marketed more expensively and all of those things add up into non-beer costs but it's it's that higher price that makes crown what it is it's not actually what's in the bottle but it's the perception around it and fosters fiercely protect um the that premiumness of crown by keeping the price up um you know, whether it's gouging um, or whether it's just because. No, it's no, not, no I, don't,
2: but... I don't see that. that good yeah, far. but it, yeah, it, it,
0: know, it, Exactly. But aren't they legitimate in doing the same thing for um, these? I mean, and, and let's face it, the, the, the difference between um, a, a Peroni, um, which is 25% uh, um, maize or corn, and, you know, 2 uh extra, you know, 2 mainstream beers isn't great it's 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 the exclusiveness of being an international brand that makes it so desirable um absolutely so if the beer does become less expensive doesn't that kill its premiumness and doesn't that make it less desirable in the long run i don't
2: think that um look globally i think that stella peroni and various other markets i mean it gives it also allows the general market uh the general population to achieve and purchase you know those stylish brands instead of drinking um you know the the case of beer that's what 34.95 or 39 they may have the opportunity now to purchase two or three cases of peroni at a certain price Um, it allows a better the general consumer to increase their taste profile on certain beers because they can try other markets try other beers and various other things um look Fosters, and if, they, if they wish to uh, put the price point of Crown at Crown at a certain price, and we all know that it's being very opportunistic, but that's great, that's how they run their business, and I run my business at a certain level, same in the retailer, or even Woolworths and Coles, um, you know, that's that's just personal way of doing business, there's no answer to that question, okay. really. you know, I don't, I don't think it diminishes the brand, uh, because the brands are so large, Stella, Peroni, Heineken... Um, if you can get it, if you can get a like everyone always has specials, Woolworths, Coles, the local retailer, they'll always sell it for 34 95 and then they'll take it back to thirty nine ninety five. dollars um, I must say too, can I tell you that even though I do bring it in and I sell it to retailers, it doesn't mean they're going to reduce the price. All it means is that they're going to get a bigger margin so they can survive and make some money. Okay. Um, instead of instead of buying from Foster's, let's say, just use the example. As we all know, uh, VB and various other products, some retailers are actually making probably no margin on it or losing money just to get people through the door.
0: But, but on that, and, and, and you said that the, there is enough margin in the imports um, and it's a volume game. How do you compete with somebody? And you, you've also said that uh, you know, Dan Murphy's are parallel importing as well um, and Coles have got their own parallel importing brands. They're parallel importing on a massive scale. How are you competing um, in, you know, you, you do 15 container loads, they would be doing multiples of that. Oh, so h- how do you g- compete with them?
2: That's a very good question. Um, it does get back to, I've spent a fair amount of time building this business and finding the right players. There are certain players, and believe it or not, um, there are certain players in the market, in the world, that um, provide a top quality product at a reasonable price. And they're the ones i But I've you said met. that
0: you were buying um, from the same yeah. people that...
2: No, some of them. The ones that I buy at a very good price, Coles and Woolies have not found yet. So they will eventually, but um, currently they're not. And um, I know who they're buying off, and you sort of do get to a point of where it's all, you know, with what's coming into the market space. But uh, because that's just general knowledge, general intelligence. But yeah, that's a good question. A very good question. It just means probably I probably negotiated a lot harder and tried my hardest to get a better deal. So. Good for me. Well, good for oh, the retailers.
0: I, I, you know? I, I, I can't help but think that if you were that good a negotiator, Woolworths would have you negotiating for them. Uh, <laughs>
2: no, no, they wouldn't. No, look, let's be honest. They wouldn't. And look, they're quite a. They're, as I said, I'm a small player compared to a company that does a fair amount of business. And you know, let's let's bring it to reality. Um, they're a substantial player in the. Or they are the most substantial player in the liquor industry in Australia, and uh, they You know, that's their business. I'm just a very tiny... Okay, player. but uh, I mean... Uh, but the question is, the answer to the question, there is margin for everybody. That's probably, you know, to right, get back to it. I can buy it at a good price, I and mean, so could you, if you wanted to. Anyone can get on the net, Google away, and find the right suppliers. However, sometimes, six to 12 months, you'll negotiate some good terms, and you can um, bring in alcohol or, or any product, uh, from chips to toothpaste to anything, um, at a particular good price.
0: I, I guess, I mean, I, I'm still... Trying to work out um, the the only way that we can uh, sort of uh, take your um, the, the quality of your product is is essentially on trust um, because the codes have been scratched off. Um,
2: no, 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 no. Some well, of the codes. I mean, it, it, as, you, as you said on some of the sum of prices, you can either buy it decoded yep. or coded. How different.
0: are the codes I mean, taken I'm off? Say, oh,
2: they're cut. Oh, I don't know. They're cut off, cut out of the pack. I suppose. Um, If you notice, some of them have little... there is a particular code on each pack. And
0: not on the bottles?
2: um, No, they're on the pack. Okay. Some are on the bottles. I mean, I'm just saying, but mostly on the pack, to answer that question.
0: So so there are no codes removed from the bottles or anything like that?
2: Not in my product, no. Uh, Not in the beers. There are certain certain spirits and various other things where the coding is done. Uh, There is actually either coding done with... um, uh what do you call those pens those ultraviolet pens and various other things so you know i mean there's many different ways that these things have sort of coded in, in that yeah. term Fine. but but again that gets back to the consumer does i mean it's a good question you asked, matt i'm not trying to get away from it but i'm just saying that that is what it is and there's
0: nothing I can do about it. <laughs> no, and and, and again, I, I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to impu- I'm not trying to impugn your um, credibility or anything like that. But I'm, I guess the I'm trying to work out how other, point, how, how other well, than just trust that Sean Allen is a good guy. Um, those codes are on for a reason. It's to give people people a chance to you know so the brewery can track their product, but also so people that are interested enough to can you know determine the provenance of their product um, and, and i know that at the start of last year I think um, there was a large shipment of Corona that came in um, that turned out to have been a uh, you know, it was it was like uh, the, the, the dodgy um, uh, Tag Heuer watches that you, you you pick up in China oh, absolutely. It, it, it was
2: no, absolutely. It, but again that, again as as I said earlier if you I think if you take the, the attitude of importing through Asia um, you're you are I mean, there are some good importers in Asia, don't get me wrong, but I don't deal with any of them. So, because I just think that I draw the line through the sand. But without the country um, codes, you know, how do we know where your
0: beer is coming from? That's, that's, not, that's just a general question. As I said, it's not to impugn, impugn you. But once you start removing the codes that are there for a reason...
2: No, it's not the code. I think it, it's only the code of the distributor of that. Like, let's say it could be Belgium or, or, or Spain. Yep. It just pulls out the that particular name of the distributor they use. It's still brewed and authentic from Heineken. Oh, I,
0: well, whatever. but it, that, I guess that, how do we know that once the um, the yeah, you know, once it's not once it's, it's not like coming
2: Heineken and Stellar box. I mean, no, I. I'm just trying to get the right thing. Are you do you realise what that code is? What they're taking off?
0: Yeah, look, there's a distributor code, um, but there's also a country yeah. code, um, I, I understand. They only take the distributor code. Um, well, the, the distributor list that I've seen also talk about removing the country codes. Um, oh, well, that's
2: Again, I wouldn't be talking to them.
0: But again, that's something that somebody is importing. Um,
2: look, that's something that, yeah, somebody is, and that's just not me. So, I mean, I must, well, maybe, I mean, I'm guessing, I don't, I don't know of those particular products. Um, I don't. Yep. <laughs> um, the client I use, the suppliers I use, are, have
0: been in the business for a very long time. No, I, I, look, I, I appreciate that. But, I, yeah. the, 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 but right. the fundamental okay, question right. is... is it,
2: <laughs> Where would the consumer know... So, so what from? you're saying is that there
0: are really dodgy people in the industry. Um, obviously, if you're one of those, you wouldn't have come on... Um, to, to talk about it, because from <laughs> having tried to speak Thanks, to... Dis- well, no, well, having yeah. tried to... I'm sure
1: I'm dodging... There, there's a of backhanded compliment. Oh, no, 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 but, but <laughs> I love you too, by the way. <laughs> well,
2: no. Listen, at, at the end of the day, isn't it... No, the old no, man, you're right. You're right. The, you isn't, know, I think you know, the history of parallel importing is not a nice one. And I must say for the last 10 or 15, 20 years, um, or let's say 15 years, uh, it hasn't come from... The greatest of positions. Now, you know, that doesn't stop me, Sean Malin, who wants to do a business and enjoys what I do, to say, oh, listen, I'm not doing that because of that. What I'm trying to do is I'm actually, yes, we all know it's still grey markets, so it'll never be, I'm not the licensed distributor, so let's be realistic here. But we're allowed by law in this country to parallel, so, and many other countries. So what I'm trying to do is, in some ways, not legitimize, but um, provide a service that offers the right pricing, the right conditions the right supply, the um you know, the right warehousing. I'm doing my best to minimize those But how does the
0: punter in in the shop know which shops that you've sold to, for example, because you don't put short imported by short. Well it short... has
2: on the back of it. No, no, it does okay. every bottle and every case it has every case has an importer sticker on it. So if you sell like basically I sell like twenty four packs so you can put on the pack and the bottles. And you basically have a imported by United Beverage Imports or it has whichever company name that you know, whichever parallel import is doing it, um, and that's a, that's the right thing to do. We must, you know, we follow food and safety yep. standards. We follow the customs. We pay the right taxes. We pay the right transport companies. We, you know, it's a legitimate organisation. Um, there's no there's no area of um, misunderstanding here. Oh, no. um, and
1: and is, it, is, it, is it fair to say that at the end of the day, the proof of the pudding is the pudding?
2: So if I, if, yes.
1: if the if the goes into a shop. Uh, buys a six-pack of Corona because they're on special and they're cheap and that regardless of who's bought it in If it hasn't been looked after you're probably not going to go back to that place Or you're going to think <laughs> well, twice yes. about buying
2: from yes. that place again. <laughs> so, <laughs> and look, that is what it yeah. is. I mean look, I, look, as I said, look, yes, you're right There are some codes not there and there are various other things, but and maybe there I mean, it all depends on each shipment. I've got to say it all changes, but Coming back to the realistic point of view, it's if you're the consumer that wants a good Heineken or Stella, is he gonna pay um, 49 dollars or thirty nine ninety five? I mean, it's pretty common sense. So that's what we are. And does the retailer get some extra margin? Yes, uh, likely. So who loses out on this story? They're getting an authentic, fully imported product um, that look, every opposition, everybody out there, even the purest of beer person can say, yes, there's transport issues. And yes, that's true. <laughs> It's the same with the locally brewed stuff. Um, like everyone has a little, tiny, a few issues here and there. But the bottom line is the product. I think is very, very good. Um, it's authentic, and it is a. It's a very there's a there's a good price difference to benefit the consumer. And at the end of the day, that's what we're here for: to offer good products and supply to the consumers so they can benefit, and increase their beer experience. Okay, let,
0: let's talk about the, the the pudding for a while in authenticity. The, you know, when you speak to um, the big brewers, we spoke to Bill Taylor recently um, uh, about it and you know, they have very rigorous uh, quality control standards that they need to meet. Um, line Nathan to brew Hynek and had to put in the uh, horizontal tanks, which are terribly inconvenient for a brewery like that because of the size that they take up. They have a recipe, they have the the, the yeast strain. Um, they say that they make the beer as close as possible um, to the Heineken that you would uh, buy in Europe, um, what does authenticity mean when? Because it, we're not talking about a craft brewed beer that you know has an in, you know a signature brewer doing it. No, it no, a, a, a beer that's brewed in Europe or a beer that's brewed in a massive uh, industrial brewery here. What is you know what, what's the attraction in? drinking a beer that has been seen halfway across the world?
2: Good question. Um, in some t- in some uh, positions, in some areas, the packaging is different. Um, I'll give you an example of Corona. The Corona packaging is different. Um, the uh, Peroni NA is different um, the, in slight areas, but it is different. Um, the, it, and it doesn't have locally brewed and at the end of the day as as you know i've been in this trade for about five to six years and met a few people um we've had many times we've had a taste you know test with regards to locally and imported just for our own benefit not for the parallel side of it just back in the days and uh, there is i find a difference <laughs> sorry you can say you can they can tell you constantly that it's exactly the same but
0: i, I know i'm cynical but i, I actually find that most nah. <laughs> most times the slight difference is that slight taste of oxidation that comes from sending it halfway around the world and have, having done lots of
2: <laughs> oh no that, well that's a good point i mean yeah you're probably right um and that i when i say that and that's your point of view. I don't have... I haven't had that point of view. Yes, of course, I've had oxidisation on beers, but I've had oxidisation on locally brewed beers. Um, you know, it's... I don't think... You know, you put them aside, let's be realistic, and you know you can taste the difference there. Uh, that's a you know, that's an infected beer, full stop. But I still believe there is a difference. Now, look, um, that's my opinion. Um, and as I said, I still think the, the authentic product, the, full, the brewed in the particular country it's you know, originated from is a better thing than being locally brewed. That's my opinion. Now, we can debate this all day, but that's my opinion. Yeah, no,
0: and and, (laughs) and, and, I mean...
2: And I've got to tell you, that's a lot of retailers' opinion. I mean, um, you know, the the retailers uh, listen to their consumers, and uh, I've got to say, I mean, I can't... I mean, I don't have a large circle of people that I can sit around and, you know, survey every day, but having a chat to my retailers and various other things, they say, look, they've got interest for the fully imported over the locally brewed. Now that's now where I don't understand, and you know I think we can sit down and talk about this all day. But that's the demand for the fully imported product rather than the locally. And brewed. incidentally, look, so I, that's I, I, what, and that's what drives my
0: business. I, it's something when we spoke to Bill Taylor, I, I raised with him because I think that. Uh, the large brewers have really contributed to this perception thing. You know, they advertise um, that a beer is better because it comes from Tasmania. Um, They, uh, in in New Zealand, a couple of years ago, Fosters ran big billboards saying that Crown Lager is genuinely imported um, and they were having a swipe at some of the other um, beers that were, um, international beers that were brewed under license in New Zealand and saying that Crown Lager was better because it actually came from the other side of the Tasman. And so the, the, the big brewers know that, you know, th- these perceptions... Oh, look,
2: it's marketing spin. It's it,
0: exactly. It's so it, spin. it sort of undermines their campaign. And, you know, Bill
2: Taylor's been... And he's not going to say anything negative towards his own brews. And, I mean, he's a great guy, amazing brewer, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that's besides the point. I mean, the marketing line and the spin is this, this, this. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, um, as I think, you know, the original statement is, is that the, the product is heineken and it's sold for five or six dollars cheaper um and that's what the consumer wants that's what the, cons- the consumers demand
0: yeah and, and again
2: so it's driven by demand i mean i wouldn't exist let's let's get back to the basics parallel importers or anyone like that would not exist if the consumers didn't demand it or the retailers didn't demand it so regardless of what fossils and all the rest say at the end of the day we are driven and it's getting bigger and bigger and the market has i would say tenfolded, even twenty folded in the last six months um due to um you know there are it's hurting out people are hurting out there the independent retailers are hurting out there they need to make better margins and the consumers are probably getting you know more wiser about beer i mean you know just drinking vb and Dewey's is not going to make it anymore that's why the craft beer explosion various other things they're looking at interesting points so they're, they're driving for you know fully authentic and fully imported products now you know, we can sit here again all day and work out, hey, look, that sat out in the sun, it's missing its code, it's did this, did that, did that. But it's being driven by the consumer, which is a good thing for us all, actually, in this country.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, look, I, mean, I would rather see the, uh, the market a little bit better educated <laughs> myself. Oh, yeah, and...
2: Absolutely. I mean I, I mean, I consider, you know, I think if you own a craft brewing company now, the next five years are going to be a lot of fun. You think? Yeah, I reckon. Oregon, it's, uh, the, they've got, oh, that's my opinion, by the Well, way. Oh, no, no, <laughs> but look, I, I think it
0: will be accepted.
2: I mean, there's some of them going to fall over but, but because it's, you know, it depends how manage it it's quite a cash business. But, you know, if the government can change the tax laws a bit and support like they've done with the wineries and they can really get behind the craft brewers, uh, I think you'll see a, an amazing um, position and we can bring in some more U.S. craft beers, some Spanish craft beers and other things, you know, various other points. Um, that'll open up the market. It'll make uh, people a bit more interested about, hey, there's another type of beer, and uh, it just uh, gets better and better. It gets away from the, hey, there's VB and Tuis, and that's all we're going to drink.
1: Speaking of, of the product itself and, and demand for it, we've, we've sort of we've, we've touched on and we've named, you know, Stella, Peroni. Uh, Heineken which if you if you want to sort of cast a broad net and uh, I guess speak to people who know a little bit about beer will say well you know that's it's it's Dutch for Fosters and it's uh, Belgian yeah, for Fosters yeah. and and that's yeah. of thing uh, is there then the next hopefully next logical step is is there that going to be that uh, I guess beers that we refer more to as craft will will come more via the parallel import
2: route? Well that's an interesting point um, my business is split in two. I parallel import, but also I've just signed, well, as I said, the ink is uh, wet, uh, <laughs> two agencies for two US craft beers, which are, one is probably the oldest craft beer company there, and um, the other one is quite a, you know, a successful one. I'm also pitching for quite a large one. Um, it's it's exciting times. The US dollar is 103, 105, around there. It means it's cheaper to import. Unfortunately, exports are struggling, but import for beer is great. So I think it'd be nice to see some good craft, U.S. craft beers, some fun ones, uh, coming into the market, allowing the consumer to have options, and therefore I think, I believe, and this is again my opinion, that will increase the interest level of consumers who probably never thought as beer as, hey, it's you know there are other there are other products out there uh, to Thank develop sure. a taste for local craft beers. So yeah, I, I think you'll see an influx of um, in the next say. 24 months, just an influx of US craft beers and other craft beers. Excellent. And small ones too, real tiny ones, <laughs> real small breweries. That's really, um, I mean, I've got to say I'm being pitched in the last, say even three months, I, you know, there are a lot of companies pitching to try and get into Australia, which is exciting.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Sean Nalen, welcome to, or oh, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Brewers News. And, you know, thank you very much for uh, sitting in the hot seat with us.
2: <laughs> One heart you know. Thanks. No, that's all right. No, look, as I said So everyone's got their own opinion, but uh, you know, that's what it is. Okay guys, thanks very much and I shall speak Good to you. Good on you. Soon. Good Cheers, night, Sean. Mate. Take care, see you. Pete. Bye.
1: Well Pete, what do you make? what do you take from all of that? Uh very interesting as as I uh touched on before we started the interview with Sean like contract brewing and like uh, grey importing and, and various other you know aspects of uh, excise and tax and all those sorts of things I think it's one of those areas that a lot of our listeners probably think yeah look I've, I've heard about it I've heard catchwords words like uh, decoding I've heard about you know uh, label alteration uh, whenever you take the word importing whatever and you put another word in front of it all of a sudden there's just some sort of dark mystique to it, so we 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 hear great importing and parallel importing, and it's almost as if all well, it, it's you know the evil empire, um, actually working against the accepted evil empire. But so it was good, I think, to to I guess debunk some of the myths about how you know where the beer comes from, how it gets here, um, and what happens to it.
0: And I really didn't mean to um, have a go at Sean himself about it um, because you know, he was good enough to, to come on. You know, he's one of these guys that will actually come on and, uh, and talk about it. But when, when yeah, exactly. because of the nature of the business, you know, we'll never know where the beer comes from. Um, with the codes that um, would tell us where the beer's been being scratched off, which is the whole reason they scratched the codes off, so we don't know yeah. where they've been...
1: Yeah. Um,
0: you know, we, 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 well, I, or who's or, or who's I, I,
1: I take that point. I understand where you, where are coming from there at, at the end of the day, though, I honestly reckon when, um, when price talks, provenance walks, I, I think if people, if the average, and we've talked about the average punter again, walks into the local bottle. of and, and good luck. If, if it means that they're going more towards the, the mum and dad, you know, small independent, uh, place rather than, you know, the big, the big box guys. Um, and they can buy something that's cheaper. And look, even even if in 80, 90 percent of the cases, um, the stuff they're buying is on par with the stuff that they could buy with that, that's that's brewed in Laverton, uh, for example, isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Oh, well, see, see, this is where like, I do yeah, I mean, who hurts apart from the big guys, I guess? Or, but they still get, they still sell their stuff, and they're still going to make their margins and world keeps on spinning. Oh no, no, ex- exactly. But um, I
0: guess this is where I come from: is that you know it's this constant uh, pursuit to buy things cheaper. Um, you know, yeah. sure. So, um, beer, and like Stella and Beck's, and uh, you know, they have had very healthy margins um, built in for a long time. And when you see how much uh, a business like Foster's makes from Corona, um, and you see what it's, it's landing for, you know. It, Corona is landing for less than twenty dollars um, uh, through through the, yeah, the through the case. parallel importers, and admittedly there are all sorts of on costs involved in distributing it over here. But so there are very healthy margins in it. Um, that,
1: well, it gives you an idea of, of what what the actual liquid costs. Exactly, to
0: brew. exactly. The, the the big problem though is that the same mindset then starts flowing to uh, craft breweries, for example, and uh, you know i i think that we should be accustomed to paying more for good beer um and you know you 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 can really separate um craft beer from uh the the and heinekens of the world for a whole lot of reasons um a lot of uh, a lot of them are marketing um but you know a, 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 a just a good honest all malt lager will never ever be able to, you know, from a, a, a small brewery making, you know, 1200 litre batches is never ever going to be able to compete on price uh, with, you know, Bex, whether it's imported or whether it's brewed under license here. Um, but yet, in, 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 yeah, in, sure. in, in the punter's mind, this endless quest to get things cheaper um, really does put all sorts of pressure on both the, you know, it, it sends us to um, the Dan Murphy's um, where instead of going to the mum and uh, mum and dad stores, which everyone likes to talk yeah, about, but or yeah. just a small independence. Um, and that's something that we all contribute to every time that we make a purchasing decision. And I know I've said this in the past, you know, every time we buy a beer, we make a choice about the future of the beer landscape and, you know, I know that I can save five or six bucks on a um, carton of Coopers Pale Ale by going to Dan Murphy's, but that's the sort of mm. bread and butter beer, you know. So people will go along and get their brew dog or whatever crazy craft beer from their little independent because they know that that's the only place that they'll get it, um, and they'll pay yep. you know for, for the one or two bottles of it they buy. They will go off and uh, do that happily, but then for their bread and butter purchases they go off to Dan Murphy's the small independent bottle shops can't survive on they, they you know they, they just don't move no, out of the craft beers
1: um, do they maybe need to look at the the model you know espoused by slow beer local uh, bottle store Purvis yep those sorts of places and, and say okay well we need to we need to focus rather than well, just sort of Try to grab at this well, thing, Don't compete.
0: Yeah, on, or, or as consumers, because there isn't a level playing
1: field. Playing playing a different not, field. There's not. Or
0: as consumers, we just need to say there is a price in having good bottle shops. That you know that, you know, and and the the price that we pay for having mm-hmm. good local bottle shops who we know are running them, and when we want a uh, you know a particular beer, um, got in for us we can ask them, which, I mean, you just can't do that at, uh, at one of the big box retailers. You can't go down and say, oh, look, I've heard about this beer, can you get it in for me? Um, and the, the price for all of those things um, is, you know, maybe $5 more for our carton of uh, Cooper's Pale as well, or, our, you know, $5 more for our carton of uh, Little Creatures Pale Ale. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: or, or 20 cents an each. Is, is for it, exactly. A, you know, it, it makes it seem like elephants because that's it it's it, it's and and again that's look that's what radio brews news and australian brews news does it's 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 putting all the um uh, the hypotheticals out there and then uh, i think uh, I'd, I'd like to think that our listeners are discerning enough and uh, uh, knowledgeable enough to to follow their their conscience as much as there worth
0: well, it, it depends on what matters to you. And, and I know, look, I'm a, I'm a bit out of step yeah, in, in, in my sure. views, and I, I, like, I won't buy the dollar milk at Coles, um, even though you can save a, a bit of money on it, because I, th- you know, I think yeah, that there yeah. is a long term cost in buying the cheapest thing. Um, and
1: uh, you know, that that's. I don't use petrol petrol discounts for the same. You know, I don't shop at petrol discount. Exactly. Yep. For the yep. same reason. Yeah, and so yeah, each of us has to make our own, make our make our own statement. Um, and you know the, uh, look at it from that point of view and uh, I, yeah look I did the same exactly
0: and I mean and the, the whole sure. parallel importing uh, of you know, Bex and Stella and Heineken doesn't really worry me because I, <laughs> I don't buy them anyway <laughs> you know so, uh, it, so, exactly. so that doesn't but it, 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 it's
1: but listen speak, speaking of good beer too because it's, uh, it's what is it today it's Thursday the 20th of October 2011 yep. Uh, and that means uh, Victorian microbrewery showcase time uh, down here in Melbourne, 20 plus brewers are setting up their stalls as we speak, waiting for me to get in there. And, uh, and the other thing too that uh, would, would be interesting because we, we, we did touch a little bit on uh, restaurants and restaurant beer lists and, and prices and that sort of thing. Uh, VAMI, the Victorian Association of Microbrewers Inc has organized uh, a bit of a presentation on uh, creating a, a beer list so reaching out to to those people in restaurants who are uh, sommeliers cicerones uh, beer fetchers, whatever you want to call them um uh, beeristas uh to come along listen to james greenfield who's had a little bit of experience in um, in the retail side of, of uh like bottle shop side of, of beers uh and has been on board since the opening of josie bones uh, restaurant down here in collingwood Uh, and he'll be presenting uh, before the Microbrewery Showcase uh, a little one-hour presentation. So that's going to be fun. So not that I'm trying to I'd better let you go because I keep forgetting
0: that there is an hour difference. So I'll let you go, (laughs) Ploff. Good to talk to you as ever. Um, I'll take us out. Now, we've actually
1: had um, one of... Now, is this, is this the legitimate uh, iTunes uh, oompham music or have you got this through a parallel? Um, you know, <laughs> no, this one has actually been, been sent to me. Uh, I hope it's legitimate.
0: People are, people Oompa are sending Oompa it
1: oompham are are music. We can't get them to send in sensible suggestions for people they want us to speak to or questions to ask, but they can send us in Well, Oompa
0: this, Oompa this one, and i a uh, big shout-out to... Rick Be- um, Bessenden, who's uh, written a couple of recipes, oh, Rick. And, uh, is a, is a beer, beer artist. Yes. And he tracked yep. down the official Weinstefana um, Weisbier waltzer music from their website. Um, so this is from.
1: <laughs> Possibly illegally downloaded. Oh, but no, no, here we no. no. Go, they, but... they
0: make it available. You know how websites oh, um, make screensavers and things available. So this is. I'll, I'll play this, this out like audio with walk. the authentic. Wein Stefano Weisbeer Waltzer Good talking to you Beautiful. Prof uh, Enjoy the Michael Brewer Showcase And uh, talk to you next week
1: Shall do it. Cheers listeners Have a good one Oh this is
2: good That's <laughs> very much The French Lovely <laughs> Should